Hello and welcome to the Carbitrage Podcast, episode 218. I am Eric Berger, joined as always by my co-host Ryan Sinetsky. Hello. Hello there. I don't know about you, but I am so happy to be back here recording. I, yeah. We thought about doing an episode last week, and there's like, just with my schedule, it was going to have to be not here. Well, and I was like, that, and no. like, it would have been so close to this recording time anyway that we just decided to like, no. try to keep the quality up and record here. Yeah, so like, thanks I, for bearing with us. I, I, I didn't, I didn't want to deal with having to deal with Discord after having to deal with an auto show. But before we get into that, we survived the auto show. Let's talk about Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Carbitrage. On this particular Finecrafted website, you will find two open ended levels of support for content consumers like you to support content producers like us i almost screwed that up that's right uh, it's a it's a difficult ad read <laughs> it is and i try to change it up but like it's always exactly the same so patreon.com forward slash carbitrage if you head on over there and buy us a beer a month you get to supply us topics you get a carbitrage sticker when you come see us and you get a either carbitrage podcast koozie or the highly coveted carbitrage broadcast koozie yes uh, and then the $5 tier is just more of everything, including a shirt if you want it. So, patreon.com forward slash carbitrage. All right. Moving right along to beer, what have you got today? Well, I was previously drinking my supersized trough of Dr. Pepper because I was working outside before I came here. So. Ah, hydration. Well, working outside extremely briefly. Uh, oh, we should mention it is a billion degrees outside. It is <clears throat> unbelievably hot. Um, I have a Dakota Soul, which I imagine ended up in the refrigerator. From the cash I gave Scott last weekend, and that's why it's here because it's actually my no. We ran out of beer here. during oh. Cars and Caves, so I gave him a hundred bucks. And I also I, I, gave, I gave him ten or as oh, okay. Well. So I think he only spent a hundred bucks on beer. But either way, this is actually Perfect. pretty good. I've had one of those. I know that's actually it's the only Summit beer I like. Wait, can you say that again? It is the only Summit beer that I like. Huh. Like, I, I have actually, never heard you say anything even remotely good about a Summit. This beer. is the only Summit beer I actually go out of my way to ever buy. It's a very, very good Pilsner. Uh, they also didn't ruin it with hops. Um, it is not twist off kind. Mm. Just there's a really cool oh, connecting rod okay. opener over there on the counter. Uh, while Ryan is doing that with the best bottle opener ever made, I am drinking a Waconia Brewing Company Mango American Kolsch, provided by oh, our delicious. one and only in-person patron, Tom. Who bought my Durametric Pro from me? What? I was going to Your give what? it to him. It's a Porsche diagnostic tool that I bought, the fancy one. But he did. He didn't have one. No, and I did. Why? Because I not a, have. One. I, I don't know. <laughs> Mainly because he had old air-cooled Porsches, and now that he's got his Cayman, he needs it. But I was going to give it to him because he's a nice fellow. He's done me favors in the past, and I am never going to use it again. He Ever gave me then $250, which I'm just like, Tom, I'm trying to give this to you. Then it came back today, and he's like, I didn't realize how much you spent on this. Here's $200 more that I still am not trying to take from you. But anyway, I will gladly take his beer, and that's where this came from. That's, um, that's not how negotiating works. I, I don't know how he did he's so a, well in the corporate a, world. He's a bad Because haggler. he is not a good haggler. Oh, you know what I bet they did? Is they planted him into other companies. <clears throat> oh, my God. And, he, <laughs> and it'd, be, it'd be the long con, and he'd work his way up. <laughs> and now I'd tell you these senior negotiations. And he'd and build then he'd up a relationship and, yeah. with his own company. Yeah, it's like, it's like, he's like a double agent for a corporate raider. <laughs> I think there's an actual name for employees that do that sort of thing. And, yeah, I bet that's what he's yeah, He's just a double agent for a corporate raider. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so... Um, mm. Let's start off talking about the auto show, because before I talk about any of the um, 
podcast stuff itself. Let's yeah. talk about getting in there. Um, you, you, let's okay. Start with your experience, and then I'll tell so mine. And then... my experience was oh, sorry, guys. Um, when I arrived to do the show. I get there, and the vendor booth wasn't open. Oh, so great. I go over to the other booth, where it's the wristband booth, and this old geriatric man who's just I'm convinced he was recruited out of a nursing home. I'm gonna be really <laughs> ageist, by the way, for like the next like five minutes. So you might want to skip forward if you're over the age of like a hundred. Um, so this incredibly old man. We're off the air. Um, nursing homes. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Starts yelling. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. Um, I am looking for my wristband. He goes, "Did you purchase it ahead of time?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm. I, I do a podcast here. I'm a presenter for. I'm an exhibitionist." He you goes, were invited. Yeah. He's like, "You gotta go next door to buy one." I'm like, "Okay." I'm an exhibitionist here, so or I'm an exhibitor, not exhibitionist. That's this actual thing. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm an exhibitor. Um, <laughs> Okay, I'll look the other way on that one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No. You can tell but the I, heat's making things more yeah. funny than they actually are. Right so, um, I so I'm, I'm an exhibitor, and he's like, a what? I'm like, oh, my God. I work one of the booths inside here, and there's nobody in the exhibitor. This way goes, you need to go buy a wristband unless you purchase it ahead of time. And, like, he's yelling at me at this point. And the, Was now, this after I'm, I had informed you where to go to get it to? Yeah, and there's nobody okay. in there. So I just right. go to the next place over. There was a Karen in there when I went through. And not when I did. So um, the dude's now, like, yelling in my face through the microphone. I can hear him more through the glass than I can through we the microphone. We should have there together. I would have loved to have seen that. Oh, because <laughs> at this point, like, I'm, like, hot and <laughs> don't want to deal with this bullshit. And so I immediately... <laughs> Like, start screaming, like, okay, old man, <laughs> where is your manager? Let me talk to your manager, because clearly you're inept and can't figure this out. So let's go talk to somebody who knows what the hell they're doing. And this is, of course, after we have about two minutes of back and forth of him screaming at me and then me going, no, I'm an exhibitor. There's nobody else here that can help me. There's yeah. nobody in the next booth over. It wasn't well-labeled either. Yeah. Because it was, and, like, the vendor area. And I was like, yeah. okay. And so... Um, yeah, so the, the guy, like, he is not being helpful. So then I see his manager walk over and I wave her down. Like she could not have not heard him yelling and just didn't do shit. And I wave her down and she annoying, she was annoyed and walks up and goes, how can I help you? And I go, yeah, I'm an exhibitor. And this dude's yelling at me to go buy a ticket when I know for a fact I have a wristband. And she goes, okay, let's look it up. No like, apology for this man's behavior for, like, actually screaming through the window <laughs> louder than the microphone was. After, like, I, like, at first was, like, politely, like, I, I, I did start out polite. I, like, I always try to start out polite. I don't start out like an ass. I quickly turn into one if you treat me like one. Um, also, if you're dealing with the 1990s window microphones. Which yeah, don't work. and so yeah. Th- then I eventually got through, but it was just—it was such a pain in the ass to like get into the auto show. Jana actually uh, got lost and walked in through one of the side ent- uh, entrances that were completely unguarded. Great, buy wristband. N- no, she had no wristband. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> none. <laughs> she like didn't even know. I'm like, oh, where's your wristband? And she goes, well, you got wristband? She was really bummed because she loves wristbands. Oh, all right. She collects them. Um, well, shoot. I know. 
well, she kept she, she kept mine, yeah. She always keeps mine. So, she actually has some, like, on a little shoebox, so... It's really cool because they're like the Frank Elko Speedway, like BIR. It's probably a like, bunch. <laughs> yeah, it's just like every concert you've ever been to. It's really cool. But anyway, um, yeah, so that was my entering the uh, Really, it's going well so far. It, it, it really could only go up from here, I thought. Mm-hmm. Keyword thought. <laughs> T-H-O-T. So, yeah. Anyway, let's uh, move on to the next thing because I don't want to talk ill of the auto show because they were nice enough to have us be there. I, I guess I will uh, refrain from talking more about How, it. However, I will say Lulu's can eat it because they fucking suck. Yep. Because they refused to turn down their music and we had to go turn it down for them. Correct. Twice. Actually. Twice, actually. Yeah, each episode. So, yeah, that's mm-hmm. actually... Actually, no, I'm 100% okay talking about Lulu's. Like, I'm not, since they are not the auto show promoters themselves, I don't want to be rude about them. And to... Give them benefit of the doubt. They were having to kind of like put this together at last minute. Well, and Lulu's had to lure people down to that end of the block with their music to let people know that they were open because there was zero foot traffic on that edge of the fairgrounds. Yeah, they, they kind of put it as far away from anything as possible. And, like, I get where they're coming from because we were in the amphitheater. It's a nice facility if it's prepped, which this was not. But, again, we are not on the beaten path anywhere. No. Except for near that one guy with the Mustang, they kept starting it up and revving it. Yeah, so I put us next to the people that were revving their engines. And then, with broken internet, no table, no tablecloth, one speaker that just gave massive microphone feedback. With a four-foot cable. <laughs> and, like, I, I have a recording of my first phone call with these guys. And, like, I should play it for you after the show because, like, it sounds like they have their shit together. And they offered all these amenities I, so I and think features. I, I, to give them benefit of the doubt... Um, I have dealt with the state fairgrounds before, mm-hmm. um, and they were dealing with an uphill battle because the state fairgrounds will tell you, yeah, we well, got this, this, and this. And then either A, they don't, or they do when it's from like the 1990s. Or it's in another part of the facility. Or it's like completely lost, to. or like they changed the password and the IT guy didn't tell them that. Like, I, I changed the password and told them what it was. Yeah. So, so like, that, that's the thing is like they're. They were kind of dealing with an uphill battle because, like, the state fairgrounds really does not have their shit together. And it's a, it's it's a miracle that the Minnesota very State Fair clear. ever happens. But, um, yeah, Lulu's is, like, the worst, right? And it's like, like, we were sitting there talking to them. And, like, I forgot. This is the one dude that was there. I'm like, yeah, we well, need a Lulu's to turn on their music. And he has a little loud. I'm like, yeah, we can't really record or anything. Oh, I didn't think about that. And he goes, yeah. He goes, oh? I'm like, yeah, you know, copyright violations. He goes, Oh, <laughs> I didn't think about that. Yeah, I'm I think like, you literally said that. That's literally said. Like, dude, like. Anyway, yeah. To your point, like, I'm not really trying to bite the hand. That I'm, yeah, like, I'm not gonna do that. But like, <laughs> there, there is some. I, I'm, I'm entirely putting on part of the state fairgrounds. Um, that the state fairgrounds really, I think, kind of let them down a lot with their with their side of it. Given the amount of time between when it was announced that they were actually going to do an auto show and the time they put it on, I think they did okay. Yeah, I think, well, I think, yeah. And not only it that, sounded great. This was also entirely without any pre-plan, because, like, the auto shows are planned, like, nine months in advance. This was thrown together in, like, two. Yeah. So, I think that given the circumstances, they did Fine, and yeah. I've also had like a two-week gestation period where I like. It's good thing can we took some down. time yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> ask us the day after. Would have I was been a pretty heated story. if you had asked me on Sunday. <laughs> I, I think actually when I went to the car show later that day, I was pretty heated. But um, 
yeah, so it's um, yeah, I, I think that given what they had to deal with, they did pretty well. So I got you. Yeah. No, that's I'm I'm in agreement. I'm glad we took the time to digest and gestate. But yeah, they did well with the two months they had, but I, it was not well, at least for us. Yeah. All right. Okie doke. Right. Moving on to the first topic. Uh, back in 2019, Tesla ran through their allotment of government-issued yes, tax credits. Yeah. They were, the I think, the first manufacturer in the United States to do that, followed by Chevrolet yeah. uh, with the Volt and Bolt. But now that we have... Can we just call it the Volt? The Volt. Sure. <laughs> now that the Volt has sold so many units, too. Um, sorry, no. Now that we have a new person <laughs> sort of in charge of the country that isn't immune to green energy, it sounds like these are coming back. So there's legislation to bring back tax credits not only for new EVs, including Tesla's, but also used EVs. And there's a lot to read on this, but the gist is it's, you know, like I said, it covers used vehicles as well. So you I think could, as a lower income family, go find a $6,000 Bolt and potentially get $3,500 back. I think that that's the most important part here, uh, because if you want to talk about something that um, does hold back a lot of lower income people, mm -hmm. is the fact that like you make $12 an hour and you have to drive a Chevy Tahoe. Mm -hmm. And that it breaks is like, down all the time. That's like running on like six to seven of eight cylinders. So. And the rest of them are just dumping the fuel into the catalytic converters. Yeah, exactly. So, and so like you have like a, a clapped out Tahoe. Like I think a lot of people really overlook that because like if you actually break that down. Mm -hmm. So let's say I get 35 miles per gallon in my Fiat. Um, that Tahoe literally gets half of that. So it costs me $10. Yeah, for me, it costs me $10 every two days to fill up because I do a lot of driving on the Fiat. I drive every day, I drive from St. Paul to Bloomington and back at least once. Well, actually, at least twice, except to go to and from Janus. Um, plus, doing anything else I want to do. Mm -hmm. So I get 35 miles per gallon. That's basically a gallon per trip to Janus House and back. Um, but then if you think about this Tahoe, like for me, that's, you know, that, that adds up. That's like a hundred, easily a hundred dollars a paycheck. I mean, that's coming out of it. And for, and, yeah. and that's like, I make enough money to get by. Like I, f I feel I'm comfortable, but I'm not like, there are times where I'm like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> I should probably cut back a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Like I can't do exactly what mm. I want. I can live comfortably and be happy, but I can only imagine if I'm making, you know, a quarter of what I'm making mm -hmm. right now, and then having to get half the fuel economy and shit break all the time, that would suck. Yep. And I think that actually getting EVs to a lot of lower income families is going to be really, really, really huge. Cause well, and especially used low range EVs, which are ideal for level one charging, which yep. is the only thing they're going to have potential access exactly, to yeah. in their domicile. And it's going to be, you know, like I said, so cheap to run. It's going to take that entire travel cost component out of their daily day you know lives when i had the fj it cost me nine dollars per round trip to come here yeah seriously that's what, exactly what we're talking about like yeah. it's insanely expensive and that's not an uncommon distance for people to cover in a no, day no not at all um and i think that it's going to be very very helpful because you know we've already seen that like these subprime loans like on like mitsubishis are already helping people like, doing that on EVs is going to be even more helpful. I just realized, sorry, the uh, video viewers, the window capture switched to the one down here. So I'll pull the article down here so you guys can take a look at it, too. Okay. But, um, but yeah, the, I'm, I'm with you. I think the used EV credit, 
especially tied to the lower income families, is going to be by far the biggest part of this entire thing. It's going to be the most beneficial, but it's bringing it back also for the new vehicles like Tesla's. Yeah. And it will be even higher now. It won't be $7,500. It might be up to 12500 However, they're building in caps for both income and for the cost of the vehicle. That's good. Yeah, so you yeah. can't just go buy a Model S Plaid as a $250,000 a year earner and get a tax credit. Yeah, that that's good. Giving also, them more to the people that actually need them. So, to $250,000 a year. I was just thinking about like how much money that actually is. Yeah. Um the most expensive house in the state of Minnesota is if I'm not mistaken it's about $14 million right now. Oof, like on the market. Hmm. And Jan did the she did the math on it. Um, last night we were watching an architect, or yeah, Architectural Digest YouTube video on it, and um, she did the math, and you had to make $72,500. That's $72,500 a month was the mortgage on that house. Good God. So, yeah, I did that math. So $72,500 a month uh, to pay that. So, yeah, you have to get four times that to for your yearly or for like per month or yeah you have to get like four times that to get approved yeah like your monthly payment or your debt to income yeah yeah so like that's like what the two hundred fifty thousand dollar tax bracket looks like is like houses like that so that's not like for a single owner earner right and like let's just say like that's that's the threshold yeah like most people that are in a house like that or they're buying a car like that they make way more than 250k exactly yeah so you got a lot of people that are kind of in the just about six figures territory right at a hundred thousand tons below and then you've got the point ones so So what so what i'm saying here is that um with that tax credit mm-hmm. um, effectively everybody is going to get it and you hear or it's a cap at two hundred fifty thousand dollars and you go well i make seventy two thousand dollars a year and the the cap's way less than 250 i was just saying that as a but rich, rich well, but what i'm what i'm saying is like you know you, you, you get that top tax bracket people hear two hundred fifty thousand dollars but then they don't think about what that actually is right yeah so like that's a very large amount of money for a single earner <laughs> annually a single earner yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes especially if you're talking net which those persons probably are so yeah i'm i'm curious to see obviously this hasn't been passed yet and there's it's politics so there i'm sure will be some revisions and some things thrown in but it sounds very likely that it's coming back and in 2021 yet i think that's great so yeah, I, I'm just. This is kind of refreshing to me to see things not regress. Yeah, for I, once. I think that's good. I also, um, I'm hearing like a lot of hubbub about the Honda Urban E, um, and it's not Honda doesn't say anything, but I've just heard a lot of hubbub from like American like influencers and YouTubers and like the Honda world mm-hmm. talking about that. So I think that that well, might, it's a drag car. Yeah, well, I think that that might make that might push Honda's hand to oh, give it be... to me. That would be good. That'd be very good. I'd be, I'd be a big fan of that. Rear-wheel drive Honda hatch? Yes. Mm, yes. Big fan. Electric hatch. So, uh, speaking of tra- like transverse engines and <laughs> transaxles, I want to talk about what is probably the most expensive single transaxle ever sold at auction. Okay. Um, this was actually sold on Brand Trailer, but it was a transaxle from uh, James uh, Dean's Little Bastard Porsche 550. The 550. Yeah. So how does that exist outside of that car? Was that thing totaled or something? Yeah, the car's totaled, but the uh it was a front end collision. A, oh okay. But uh the car was like the parts were distributed, like pulled apart. I guess all the it was taken they taken apart 
and the um, the engine was used by the California Highway Patrol to warn people about highway safety. Mm. Uh, so that's what the transaxle looks like. It was actually on Branch Yard. They might have a link somewhere in here um, to it. But Oh, there's a photo of the wreck. Sorry, it's so small. Yeah, but, I mean, you can see what the wreck is. Uh, yeah, so the car is famous for having disappeared when it was on tour with the California Highway Patrol. Somebody stole it, like, off of their trailer. Here's the auction. I'll bring this up. Perfect. But um, <clears throat> it closed. And what was the price that it closed at? $382,000. So you, for the price of this transmission, transaxle, oh, I guess, and rear drums. Yeah, um, it looks like a full rear cradle. Yeah. But. So for the price of this, you could get a Subaru 22B <laughs> and an okay condition Testarossa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a tough choice. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, I understand its historical significance and provenance, but that is way too much money. Well, you're obviously not going to use it. It's like, you know, buying the gun that shot Elvis Presley's Pantera or something. Okay, that's fair. Like, it's one of those things where obviously you're never going to use it. This bag is driving me insane. Yeah, but we need the airflow. That's fair. What if I took the bag off? Uh, it's part of the painter's masking tape for oh, the I outside see. of the okay, building. So. so I can't. Um, I mean, I'm not saying you can't. I don't think it'll come through. It is very annoying, though, I agree. I don't think it'll come through, so we'll be fine. But anyway, it's one of those things, you don't buy it for what it is, you buy it for what it represents. So it's like, Or like the guillotine blade that cut off Marie Antoinette's head or something. Like it's just, it's just some like piece of like macabre like history. <laughs> so the first shard of concrete that came out of the Berlin Wall. Yeah, seriously, something like that. Yeah. So the things like that are actually like kind of cool. And I that guess, is a lot of money. Yeah, I, I think worth it. I think that will be worth that much money regardless of how much a 550A is ever worth because of what it's from. Oh, it's because it's Jimmy Dean. Yeah. And yes, I'm going to call him Jimmy Dean, even though I'm well aware his name is James Dean. Because uh, no, he's the sausage man now. Yeah, exactly. He's a, he's a I like breakfast sausage, and he's going to have to deal with that. Huh. So. so he's breakfast sausage. So, uh, I, hold on, I need to make sure my throat's dry. Uh, so BMW's kidney grills. Awful. The X7. That was arguably like the first incarnate of this new bastardized kidney grill shape. For the United States market. I like that you said kidney grill, not kidney grills, because it's just one piece now. Yeah, it's that. It's a kidney it's, grill. These, these kidneys are like metastasized. Kidney, these kidney. These kidney, big boy, with lots of stone in them. Yeah. So the X7 was the first thing we got here that was like really just vomit-inducingly terrible. It's since trickled down to pretty much every single model they have, except for some reason the base 3 series and the base 5 series have pretty reasonable kidney grill size of course what BMW, about the 2 series i think the 2 series is okay. the 2 grand coupe which is the mini the front wheel drive one also has relatively small kidneys they yeah. haven't really there's there's the, one that what was the one that bobby flew bought cuz he had the one in it bobby flew bought a 2 series no not 2 series it might have been a 4 it was something like that but it didn't have the really tall kidney grills must have been a 2 then is the one where the kidney grills grew into each other but they're still narrow yeah like now it just looks like a kia grill. that's a 2 series grand coupe yeah i was just... given one of those as a loaner because i was making so much racket in the service lane about not wanting to drive something with giant kidneys that's hilarious they legitimately gave me a 2 series i'm grand not tour. i'm not surprised that they um you would have done that or that they did that to you. I was very loud or, about or it. Or the the rude things I guarantee they said about you after you left. Don't care. 
Yeah. Anyway, so, BMW is planning a mid-cycle ooh, refresh. Oh, no! They made it worse. Not only made it worse by making the kidney grills even larger and wider, but also kind of removing the headlights a la juke. So have you ever, like, been using Photoshop and your computer, like, screws up, and then you pull, like, one layer, and it, like, it, like artifacts? like, freezes as you're going, and, and then it's it... like, yeah, that's what it does. <laughs> it looks like the, the headlight like, artifact this, is just, like, still there. This is content to where it gone wrong. So this is, um... <laughs> so that... What this is, is this is a BMW, a BMW, and if you drive it really, really, really hard into, like, a Suburban, this is what you get. <laughs> <laughs> you just get the worst of everything. Oh my but god! Seriously. It's like they, they literally. All right, so Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. I think yeah. that they're they're really dead on with their car design because I feel like by twenty seventy seven, everything's actually going to just look like that. Like that. That that's exactly the track that we're going on Aside with our from car the design. Build yeah, cars. I agree. I was gonna say like the buildings. I don't think it'll be quite like that, but yeah, car design. Yeah, it's very just, accurate. Yeah. I'm like, I now kind of understand when boomers nyuk. It's like. Yeah, things aren't like they were when you were young. But, like, is this really what I'm turning into? Like, do I'm, people like this? Nobody likes this. Okay, good. Because so, I've never seen a positive comment so about th- the Beaver Teeth. Th- this, is, this is the thing, is I go, about this car, but I also make a point to, like, search out modern things that I like. Like, I refuse to, like, boomer myself. It's very, it's like, I made a conscious decision mm-hmm. to do this in about 2016-ish. Because, like, it started with music. Because I realized that, like, all the music I liked that was, like, modern, like, mm-hmm. kind of quit coming out around, like, 2011. I'm like, this, there's no way that good music just stopped happening. Like, there has to be good music out there. So I went out of my this way. Is the South Park episode where music literally turns to the sound of somebody pooping? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I started, like, going out of my way to, like, find good music that's, like, modern. Like, okay. Because I didn't – I felt like I was having a midlife crisis. I knew it wasn't, but I'm like – I'm definitely getting to that point I'm like, at some points, too. Yeah, but I'm like, no, this is, like, step one. Like, this is where it starts. Like, this is the guy that's, like, 30 years old, and, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to tell you about the first album of Franz Ferdinand and how it's better than all modern music. No, I'm not going to be like that. Like, I'm not going to be like the Gen Xer. It's like, let me tell you about Def Leppard. I'm like, please don't. <laughs> Here's $20 to not like, do that Listen, thing. dude, I like Pyromania, too, but please don't even talk to me. Like, just pretend, I, pretend, don't perceive me, please. Um... So with, like, modern Ooh. cars, I started doing that modern video games and everything. But, yeah, with modern cars, it's, like, I see this, and this is, like, things like this are why I'm, like, you know what? I like the Mirage. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's my favorite modern car. <laughs> I, I mean, to, granted, it's a 10-year-old car. But it's but got a modern front end. Still sold. Yeah. Um, but I look at that now. I, that's I, true. It's a kooky. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, like, a, tr- it's a third one. I don't, I don't, like, coo- I don't know what oh, third is. Zenki kooky. Old face, new face. I can't remember new, new faces. Oh, we got to figure this yeah, out. Yeah, I'll have to ask uh, like a Japanese person. Shoot. Um, but yeah, it's like the third revision of the Mirage makes me feel a lot better about the world when this exists. Because like, while BMW is getting worse, Mitsubishi is getting better. So, And I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. But I mean, this is untenable. This, this, this is awful. And like, this will set the tone for BMW's corporate styling for the rest of the models, like the X7 mm-hmm. did when it first came out. So this is not good. This is this is the wrong path. It's the wrong path. I think it's funny that BMW is like, oh, you guys don't like this? Here's more of it. But like... Seriously, like, they think we're joking. Like, like, no, we actually hate this a lot. This is really insufferable. Like, but I, I really guess the Chinese market's all just giving the thumbs up and... 
I mean, I guess pigeonhole yourself for one third of the global car buying population. Well, the problem is people are buying it in this country too. So, well, no, this is the thing that I'm thinking about is like they're kind of pigeonholing themselves to like one market dominating everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was the U.S. forever. That's what I was about to say. Is like this sounds shockingly similar to like Buick. Is like they designed a car like the 1950s and it was very, very, very popular here. Here. <laughs> And then they just continued making it for here. And like, why are people buying this in Nagoya? And like, X7, 40 years from now, somebody's going to show up at a car show, a retro car show in one of those. God. And some out-of-country person who grew up in China or some they're other gonna country. They're going to lose their mind. They're going to lose their mind that one of these came over. And they'd be like, how did this happen? This wasn't meant to survive. No, it wasn't. It's but... just... God, this is so bad. I can't wait for these to be really cheap because, like, they have like some horrific maintenance problem. And then I can just they start... do because most of them have the V8. Yep, exactly. They're going to have a horrific I maintenance problem. I didn't tell problem. you. Huh. The complete non sequitur, kind of. My boss's X5M three years ago, and it was ticking over 20,000 miles. Yeah. I told him, you need to buy an extended warranty for this because it has an S63 engine and it will completely grenade at 60,000 miles. He's like, oh, he's running fine. Thursday this week. Hey. When I really get on it, blue smoke comes out the back. I'm like, Dale, do you remember that many times that I sent you in writing and also verbally conveyed to you that those engines only last 60,000 miles and you need an extended warranty? Yeah, you did. 57,000 miles called. Your engine is done. Corey, Corey goes, oh, God, I tabbed back over at the wrong time. What is that monstrosity? This is the X7 facelift, which is even worse than the it's X7. quite bad. Um, uh, so anyway, yeah, the same thing. Don't buy one of these. Really don't buy one of these. If you have to, buy the six-cylinder one. Why don't we um, just get this off of the page and keep, the, uh, keep a window up for people to look at, and then why don't you just Google... Uh, Buick 401 Nailhead. Oh, God. Uh, not a particularly unreliable engine, but a no, really, are... really low specific output engine. This one? Yes. No, it's a fucking like, hammer of an engine. It's... Notice the vertical valve covers. Yes. 430 pound-feet of torque. Uh-huh. Uh, all of the torque. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, what I want to talk about specifically this engine, um, hey... That's actually out of a 1961 Buick Invicta. That's fun. But anyway, um, with this engine, I learned something when I was doing my research. Oh, it's actually a 64 Wildcat. Same uh, engine bay, though. Um, they did not use exhaust manifold gaskets. What did they use? Nothing. Just perfectly milled surfaces? Yes. And the reason were they iron heads and iron exhaust manifolds? Exactly. Ah, they did same that. Same thermal coefficients. Yeah, they well they did it because otherwise the block will expand and the uh, the headers or the exhaust manifolds will still be cold, mm-hmm. and then they'll crack. Mm-hmm. And oh, that yeah, is very prone to that. And so it stops it from <clears throat> cracking. Hmm. I thought it was super interesting because I've noticed that they did that, and then Nash did that as well. And actually, Nash took it another step forward from there you know those like slip on like sleeves that uh volkswagen uses for their exhaust oh yeah 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 yeah. so yeah. Na- nash used those throughout the exhaust system actually That's like between cylinders clever. and stuff oh really because there's an inline six and is it would expand oh, a they, long distance it's a long distance <laughs> so they wanted to make sure that it could every piece of it could expand and if it were to break mm-hmm. 
that you just had to replace that one clamp instead of having to replace the whole everything. That's very, clever. very, very interesting that they did that. Cast iron is a really tricky thing to work with on exhaust. It's yeah. amazing that people refined it as well as they did by like the 80s. And if I'm not mistaken, I think actually Nash used tubular exhausts. They, they would they, have for slip fit, yeah. Yeah, and so, but I, I think it's interesting that they used a tubular exhaust, but they still went with no gaskets on it to make sure that because it was expanding so much that nothing happened. I feel like I've only heard of American companies doing this. I have never heard of this with anybody else in the world. I feel like if we looked it up, we'd find something, but yeah. Yeah, I like mean, off the top of my head, I was wondering if you knew of any like weird German stuff. But... No, I don't, because it's probably pre-war, because we're talking cast iron. That's true. Most of the time, by this era, Germans were using alloys or aluminum for cylinder heads. So Okay. I did not know that. So. <clears throat> yeah, there's fun fact that I learned um, with uh, Jana's new car that I got her which I'm going to let her talk more about it when she's here next time. I will step away for that section. Yeah. It's all right. It's actually, <laughs> it's a pretty great thing, so I'm a big fan of it. So far, it's been You guys get to go to the way. 50s. <gasps> it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm very happy for it. But anyway, so I thought that that was just a super interesting little tidbit, is that, like, American companies just don't use exhaust gaskets. I've never heard of that, and it makes perfect sense. That's back when they actually built, like, prototypes. Yeah. Then they tested stuff. Yeah. Then they broke stuff, and then they fixed it before they put it on sale. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Which is weird. And so, I think, like, what they actually did to, like, keep it from, like, totally leaking is I think that they had, like, some sort of, like, they probably used, like, some shellac or something. That they just put on the faces. It was probably Japaning. Japaning? Ever what? heard of that? No. What is that? It's a black industrial coating. It was probably that. It yeah. was used for anti-corrosive. That was probably it. Yeah. It's fascinating. I will have. I'm to sure that it's insanely toxic, but it's really cool. <laughs> like, if yeah. you ever see an old electric motor, like a sewing machine or anything like that, it's a Japaning. Oh, I didn't know that. Which okay. Is like a hardened coat. Yeah, it's really interesting. That's probably you know what? Yeah, that's why the starters never go out on these vehicles. It's just the. Uh, just the solenoid goes out. Japaning is a type of finish that originated in the European invitation, blah, 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 yakka work. Yeah, yeah, just go Google it. It's really interesting. That sounds like a bunch of TLDR. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what I just did with my mouth. So <laughs> the, uh, the summer car show schedule is getting a little bit insane, which partially led to why we are recording so late here. But... Cars and Coffee was this morning. Cars and Caves last weekend here. Holy hell. That was great. The turnout was like old-fashioned good-timey days. It was like 800 cars, 1,200 people. You know why? Because this venue's good? No. The Oscar Mayer Wienermobile was here. It, well, one of them was here, yes. We're they have sure several. An Oscar Anyhow, it was Oscar really nice Oscar to see this facility Mayer. at full capacity again for the first time Oscar in like six years. And Ryan is still singing the Oscar Mayer Wiener song. Anyway, I'm using that as a segue to say that it's a busy season. And in about a month, I will be heading to Pikes Peak with a few other people oh, to month. watch the hill climb. It's Wait, that's so in a month. soon. It's the 26th of this month. Fuck. Um, it's in 21 days. So anyway, everything's set. We got our tickets, admission, mountain passes. The car is ready, everything. But I, up until back to the 50s and the now eligible vehicle that I own, I fully intended on going to that with you guys. But I just, there's no way that with back to the 50s. Cause is I, that the same weekend? Yeah. Okay. Well, so is um, the Gambler. I had to turn that down. This yeah, I'm not going to do the Gambler. I'm, I'm do the, I'd do back to the I kind of like the Gambler. 
Gambler's fine, but listen, I, I gotta find some some finned valve covers. I need to find a swamp cooler. I need to find a Cadillac air cleaner. I got so many things I need to actually. I have to go to back to the fifties to go shopping. Go actually. fix your other cars first, and then work on the Buku. No, this is for Jana, so she'll she'll. It's it, it it's it, this takes precedent apparently. Anyway, so ha- happy wife, happy life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of a similar mnemonic device for happy girlfriend, happy It's the same wife. thing. Yeah. yeah, it's happy wife, happy life. So we, we talked a couple of months ago about Porsche investing heavily in synthetic fuels. We did, yes. When like... Petro starts getting refined a lot less, it's going to get a little bit more scarce, and it's still not the most environmentally friendly thing in the uh, whatever whatever ethos to burn. So I think that's an interesting uh, path Toyota just once again in their anti-EV push has like started developing hydrogen combustion engines. I think that's super ironic. What? Toyota, anti-EV. They are, and it's kind of strange. That's I mean, like it's so ironic because like the they, question they were wanna... the ones that made hybrids a thing, like, and this is like now you're just like they figured out all this technology before everyone else, which is why I kind of want to ask the question. Like they're working on a hyd- hydrogen combustion engine. I'm like the fuel will be endlessly valuable for everything old, but. Is developing all that and further postponing their electrification a good thing to develop this technology, or are they, you know, knuckling you know what? I'm, themselves? I'm gonna go in and say I have full faith in Akio Toyota and his. I kind of do too. I think that he's got a, a longer shot plan here, and this is I think it's a longer shot plan. They're going to, they're gonna go in on hydrogen, mm-hmm. and then I bet once they have that all worked out. Which start, they might not. Start selling through like TRD or whatever kits to make older cars hydrogen. Which is great, but I think that, that I hydrogen think, delivery yeah. is the problem. I know, it's a huge, huge problem. And Toyota and think, can't solve that. I think, but that's why I think that Toyota's going in on hydrogen because mm-hmm. to, there's so many other companies that are yeah. going in on EV stuff. And I think that they're letting somebody else take the, EV, the R&D cost and yeah. they're going to kind of like, you know sort of Boston Dynamics, the thing where Boston Dynamics has never, ever made a profit doing robotic stuff. Yeah. But different companies keep buying Boston Dynamics and then using their IPs. That's totally fair. I think that's what Toyota's going to do is they're going to look for a sort of like Boston Dynamics for EVs. And then they're going to, what they're just going to use their intellectual property and then let somebody else do the heavy lifting. I do get the impression that all of their hybridization and electrification will be a little bit behind the curve. For you know, now, while they're developing, you know that, what? What? There is actually precedence for that belief. I just thought of because when Toyota, their first post-war car, the Toyota SA, was actually a prototype with Kubota, the construction company. We are very familiar with Kubota in this family. Yeah, so they actually had a partnership with Kubota to make Kubota car. Yeah, to make a car. Kubota car. To make a Kubota car, which yes. is what Stella called the element. It's adorable. But um, <laughs> they were going to make a Kubota car. Uh, awesome. But Toyota, <laughs> ended, idea. Yeah, Toyota ended up using <laughs> a lot of their like heavy lifting that they did to make this car. And they made it into the Publica, which eventually became the Corolla. Yep. So I, I, I'm as much as I want to be 100% on the just electrify everything bandwagon. I think you're right. I think that the the research and development that they're continuing to do on hydrogen, like BMW did in the 90s, will benefit everyone long-term, and then they'll be able to reap the benefits of everyone else's IP on electrification in the future when it's cheaper. You know, another issue with hydrogen is the fact that hydrogen is, yeah, the delivery method. Now, if we could, if 
Somebody yeah, could come up with, uh, with a technology that could utilize existing infrastructure. Yeah. So we don't have like to trust a, Jim Bob with a 3,000 PSI aluminum interlock? That's what I was thinking. It was like mm. something like a um, like a liquid form of it that yeah. you could put into like a gas tank style thing. Like you can modify. But you can't change the the, the boiling and freezing point. No, you're right. And that's I think like if you like could that. find a way that you can modify the existing shape of a mm-hmm. gas tank and therefore you could just you know, go take your 69 charger or whatever, yeah. put it up on a lift, go put an out hydro, like a liquid fuel cell yep. in in line of that, and then you have a fuel pump and everything. It just works more or less the same way. Once the it. hydrogen's in the car in this yeah. new fuel cell, it works really yeah. well. But it's just getting it there. I think that yeah. uh, Toyota's, what they're doing is they're trying to find a way to make that work. Because also, this is a market where nobody's putting any time into and if Toyota figures this out, like they could totally reap all of the rewards. And of course, it's also Toyota; they can totally eat something like this. Like it's not a problem. I feel like for them. this is entirely Akio liking noise from cars, which I'm totally fine with. Yeah, that's totally fair. And also, very, very good point with that because there's a not zero population of people that are like to the death on internal combustion engines because of the cool noise. Like, I get the noise. I the like Buick the Buick sounds so fucking cool. Like, I'm not trading it. in the 355 for any... No, I don't know. No, and the Buick is <clears> never, <throat> ever not going to have a 401 Q8 in it. V8. Oh, it is so wet. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... You do a compression test, it goes up like 35 PSI. You're like, perfect! It is so <laughs> wet. It is amazing. It, a nailhead V8 is basically a flathead for noise. My, but my like, you can get out of the way. Yeah. A 426 nailhead? Oh, it's a bigger version than that. It, was, it sat in the corner next to Blubsky being birthed, and then we wrote a wash mime on the back window, and then it got given away to somebody. Oh, I see. Yep. Well, it's a cool engine. But, um... <laughs> Like I, so I can understand. I get, like I, it's almost things. It's like although I don't agree, mm-hmm. I do understand. Mm-hmm. Like where these people are coming. And that's from. why I wanted to bring it up because like I really don't agree with that course of action. Yep. But I'm fascinated to learn why. It's like, like I feel it's very similar to me. Like with the gun debate, like with people like gun control versus not control. I'm like I see both ends of the spectrum here. Toyota's like, only correct answer. Fuck you. I like hydrogen. Yeah, that's like, fine. That's the that's thing. That's great. That's totally okay. And it's like <laughs> when people say, oh, "I need a, I need this gun to like stop th- twenty I to thirty." I need it to protect my hogs. family. <laughs> I need this. What happens when you're attacked by twenty to thirty feral hogs? Actually, meme, but real thing. Because when you see those, you do need an assault rifle. That's horrifying, and they do pe- travel in packs. Anyway, but so anyway, I'm going <laughs> to Pikes Peak later this month, and Bentley has entered a Continental GT3. That runs on biofuel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a gasoline engine that runs on biofuel. I'm excited to see it. That's all. I, I so, think this is going to get more and more common. When you say biofuel, it doesn't run. So is it turbo? This is, is a methane? synthetic gasoline. So, yeah, or it's but it the, what uh, what actual like combustion is? Is it actually like? Because I'm wondering like if it. The other issue is that like carbon dioxide sits in the atmosphere for so long, but if it's mm-hmm. methane that sits in the atmosphere, it comes and goes. It's ten years. I, I am wondering if it is the synthetic fuel that Porsche has invested heavily in where they can't actually tell us mm. what it's comprised of. Because I didn't actually see that in here, and I just did a secondary glance, and I, it does not say what it is beside E-fuel, which is equivalent to a 98 RON or a 91 or a 92 octane. Yeah, it doesn't really tell me a whole lot, and that makes me care very little because what I want to know is, like, if it could be something where it is a tenable fuel source mm-hmm. and instead of being carbon dioxide it's methane 
mm-hmm. that it's methane's burning, way worse. But it doesn't stay in the atmosphere as long. Yeah, but it's like a thousand. No, it's not a thousand, but it's like several it's not, hundred it, it's times more ozone times, depleting. Seven hundred times, but it exits the atmosphere within ten years. That's actually why there, um, like a lot of like green energy stuff is trying to get people to convert over to methane producing. I think they're going to get plants. closer to the hydrogen fuel yeah. with the synthetic fuel, just like creating a liquid I think, binder. Yeah, that's kind of where yeah. it mainly produces. I think that's what they're trying to do: is, nitrogen and oxygen. I think that would be your that that's your huckleberry. Yes, getting a, your liquid binder, and I think that it's going to be really cool. Whoever makes that is going to save the internal combustion engine. And for that, we applaud. Yeah, like I still want an EV, but I, just you got to have both. You do like commute in your EV, have fun on the river roads in your big sloppy wet V8 or your high strung Italian whatever. It, it was it was literally. Last night, when I was just driving the Buick around the block to like, make sure the battery didn't go flat, Buick. Like it was, it was then. I was like half throttle accelerating. It was just like slow, wet V8 noises, and the car was like shoving me into my seat. I'm like, I, I get this. Hmm. Like, All right. This thank, is, thank you, 1960. This is pretty cool, actually. <laughs> like, I can see why people are mad about this. There's no replacement for displacement, uh, sir. There, 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 there is. There is, but I get where you're coming from. Yeah, I see what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> your, your argument is wrong, but your point is valid. <laughs> Incorrect, but the sentiment is valid. Yes, it's a valid sentiment of wrong argument. So, um, but yeah, I think uh, that... That's a really cool thing to um, do, and I'm also just excited to follow this tech. That's what I'm. One of the one of the most interesting things right now, like solid state batteries and synthetic fuels. Like those things are going to be the two things that I'm going to watch the most closely. I guess. Yeah, and I'm I'm a big fan of it because, like I said, the the big thing here is for the 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 never EVers that yeah. are gonna it's going to appease them. I think that that'll be huge. Like so. we're not trying to get rid of combustion engines, clearly. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I said off air. I guess arguing with that dude on the uh, internet, and I said I'm like, you can always tag me if you're in a situation yeah, like that, true. and I'll get asked mad too. But like, I was just I was in a situation where I just said to him like, you you can um, live with being a car enthusiast and also knowing that your hobby is bad for the environment. Yeah. It's similar to people smoking. Like, you don't lie to yourself and say smoking is good to you. No. You just admit it, and you go, this sucks. I probably shouldn't do it, but here I am. So, yeah, that's what it is. It's just like smoking. It's, it is what it is. But um, and before we wrap up this episode, I forgot at the beginning of the episode, but we have a new patron, Ben Garretts. Ben! Thank Hello. you very much, sir. I pronounce your name with an E. I usually pronounce Ben's I with an I. It's Garrett's or Jarrett's, but he's a local E30 guy. Super I know who he is. Yeah, okay, cool. he's a good guy. So he's like, he found the podcast and he messaged me like, is this you? I'm like, that's hilarious. Yeah. He just found it. <laughs> Which is good. Organic growth is good. That's why we keep doing it. That's awesome. But Glad to hear yeah, that. thank you, sir. We appreciate the beer. Yeah, thank you. And you... Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll catch you guys oh. next week. Oh, thank you, you for uh, bearing with us on the week hiatus. We appreciate it. Yes. So, all right. Well, we'll catch you. On next week. Bye.